afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port here on 970 WDAY. And boy, have we got a busy show today, Natil. We sure do. What a day for me to come back, huh? Yeah. Welcome back. And uh, we're going to jump right into it. Our first guest uh, is Congressman Kevin Kramer. We're, we'll uh, talk with him in just a second. Uh, also, coming up at 1.30, Scott Pruitt, head of the EPA, is also going to be on. And we got a ton going on. Congressman Kramer, welcome to the program. What's up? Hey, good to be with you, Rob. Well, there's not a lot, not, nothing big going on in yeah, Washington big. Or, or our country today, so we'll yeah. probably have to make something up, right? Yeah, well, Washington's melting down <laughs> right now, so I, we should probably talk about, like, your top ten favorite albums or something. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's let's talk about the Comey thing. Um, sure. Trump, Trump canned him. What are your thoughts? Is it appropriate? Oh, it's appropriate to can him. You know, he would have been, you know, well, President Obama would have been well within his rights to, to fire him in July when he veered so far from um, not just tradition, but just common sense by laying out an indictment for Hillary Clinton and then saying, but I've decided not to indict her. So he indicts her publicly, and, and but but not professionally. And you know, once he went in that ditch, he's been you know, kind of going back and forth from ditch to ditch and never getting it quite right in the lane. But, you know, ultimately, of course, it came down to... Um, it came down to getting the uh, his direct supervisor hired, the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, who, by the way, was a Barack Obama-appointed U.S. attorney in his career and uh, 30-year career uh, prosecutor. When he finally did the review and, and put together the report and made the recommendation uh, to the Attorney General, who made the recommendation to the President, who this President, uh, as we know, acts very decisively, and he decisively dismissed uh, Mr. Comey. So, so I think that's well within his rights. It was appropriate, and I think some some are questioning the timing, and yet the timing, when you look at it from an administrative standpoint, made makes perfect sense. So you have no qualms about this at all? I, I really don't. I mean, well, I, me, I, 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 I don't I, I, know why well, he didn't fire him right away, other than he just seems to have a lot of faith in people and, and was hoping uh, you know, that somehow he could uh, you know, preserve him, but he clearly wasn't able to. I, I want to read you a press release sent out by Senator John Hoven, your colleague, of course, your good friend. And Senator Heitkamp has, has made a, a similar statement, although she went a little bit further and also called for a special prosecutor. Sure. Senator Hoven said, I quote, Well, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein's letter made the case for President the president to fire Director Comey. The timing of his dismissal raises questions. That's why the bipartisan Senate Intelligence Committee needs to continue its investigation in all aspects of the 2016 U.S. presidential election, including any Russian interference. Senator Hovind says it raises questions for him. Well, and, and you, 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 so remember, it was James Comey's uh, curious timing on things that raised the ultimate question. Um, Senator Hovind's statement first makes the point of why this is appropriate at this time, because this is when Rosenstein, who's only been on the job, by the way, he was just a, confirmed last week or the week before. So it, it was the first order of business for him. I, again, I remind people, he was appointed U.S. attorney by Barack Obama. And um, so that's what, so had, had the president not done it at this time, they would be accusing him of opportunism, that, that somehow... He chose not to do it when he should have. When he got, when he received the the recommendation from the people that know best in the field, he held it because he didn't want it to appear politically advantageous for himself. Well, instead, he did what he always does. He did what comes natural. And that is, he did what he believes is the right thing, and he fired uh, fired uh, Mr. Comey uh, once he got the report. And so he can't help what else is going on in the country. The, the other thing I say, Senator Hovind's right. This is why the Senate Intelligence Committee, as well as the House Intelligence Committee, should continue their investigation. And they will. And by the way, so will the FBI. 
he didn't fire all the investigators that are looking into the into the connections between Russia and and the U.S. elections and Susan Rice and and uh, and all the rest that that have been in the leaks and in the. In the uh, and the outing of American citizens, um, they're going to continue to do that. And they should. 701-293-9000, If you want to join the program, email talk at WDAY.com. Why not? I, I mean, because, and this is the last question on this. Sure. Why not fire him on Inauguration Day? And, and why, why? I mean, if, if President Obama would have been within his rights to fire him, fire Director Comey, former Director Comey now last sure. year, uh why not fire him on Inauguration Day? And why? And I read a New York Times report from January where Trump's, you know, was telling Comey he had no reason to, to fear for his job. I mean, yeah. why do that if 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 he should if he should have been fired last year? Well, if he should have been things. fired over 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 the Hillary stuff. Yeah, I think I think he should have. Myself, I personally, I never thought that that uh, Director Comey could work for either one of the candidates by the time they became president. Uh, I think he'd lost so much confidence in both Republican and Democratic leadership and certainly the two candidates that I, I couldn't see why he wouldn't just graciously resign rather than work for one of the two of them, um, either one of the two of them. But that said, Donald Trump, he, you know, like all of us, he has his flaws. And I think one of his flaws is that he, he, tr- he does put a lot of faith in people. He meets people well. He makes an initial... Um, and, and an initial opinion on, on meeting people, and he, I think he'd hoped that he could preserve James Comey. He'd given him his best. He'd hoped for the best. And But James Comey let him down even as recently as, was it last week or two weeks ago when he testified? And then had to roll back his testimony. He testified in Congress on uh, the emails and the uh, Uba Abedin, Abedin um, email her role in the emails with Anthony Weiner, and and so he had to roll that back later. And this just recklessness was too much. And I think ultimately he had to get his supervisor in place, which he did. And by the way, in a ninety-four to six vote in the Senate, confirmed by the Senate, and, and uh, this former Democratic appointed U.S. attorney, professional prosecutor, recommended firing, and uh, Donald Trump didn't waste any time. Uh, Kevin, I got to take a break here. Can you come back? I want to ask Certainly. a little bit about this BLM uh, CRA vote in you the bet. Senate today. Okay. I know you've got some opinions about that, so we'll get to that right after this. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand. If you want to get in with your comments or questions, eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday dot com or hey, send me a tweet at Rob Port. We'll be back. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report here on 970 WDAY talking with Congressman Kevin Kramer. Kevin, the uh, United States Senate had a vote on a CRA, uh, in, uh, which I, I guess is the, what is it, the Congressional Review Act. That's correct. Uh, and it, it's it's regarding, and, and the, the Congress has been using the CRA a lot lately to repeal a lot of Obama-era regulations. One of them was a, a methane rule implemented by the Bureau of Land Management. And the the argument against this rule, which which I fully believe in, is that it's duplicative, unnecessary, and it was sort of a, a last minute, you know, midnight rule passed by the Obama administration on the way out the door, aimed less at protecting the environment than perhaps just creating more headaches for an industry which the Obama administration clearly disliked. Um, the EPA, by the way, already regulates methane emissions. States like North Dakota regulate these emissions. Uh, and, and by the way, the, the BLM, I, I'm, I'm not entirely certain, even has the authority to regulate air quality. I, I'm that's pretty right. sure that's under the purview of, of the EPA. So a lot of reasons to vote against this. 
But Senator Heidi Heitkamp was was not not just a vote against the CRA to repeal this rule, but was the deciding vote. I mean, it was right. it was forty nine to fifty one. If she had flipped the other way, it would have been a tie, and, and Vice President Pence would have settled the matter. Uh, but but this went down. You had some tough words for it. You called it in a release, I quote, a huge missed opportunity to protect our energy energy jobs in western North Dakota and across America. And any senator who voted against this rule should be ashamed of themselves. You want to that expand goes, on that? That goes for John McCain, too. <laughs> but the, you, you raised all the relevant points. But this rule, Rob, we have to make, make no mistake, this was a rule aimed right at North Dakota. It was a poke in the eye of North Dakota. And every story, in fact, I was just reading a, a political story that just came out that, thank goodness, the Interior Department is going to still um, rescind this rule uh, through their regular process. They may even just delay its implementation uh, indefinitely, but they're looking at how they're going to re- either, you know, re- rescind it or repeal it or just um, ignore it. But Here's, but here's the thing. So it's aimed right at North Dakota. Um, there's not only is it duplicative; it's, it far exceeds. By the way, North Dakota has the most restrictive venting rules in the country. So we already have the strictest venting rules. So to add another layer of it and, and compliance with an agency that you're exactly right does not have Clean Air uh, um, Clean Air Act authority. The EPA does working with states. It was really wrong-headed. And the beautiful thing about a CRA is when we pass a Congressional Review Act that, that repeals a midnight rule by the president, it's, de- it's dead. That means the, the agency cannot bring it up again, and nor should they. They don't have the jurisdiction. Um, but instead, we're going to have to play this game unless somebody changes their mind sometime in the next uh, couple of hours and they bring it up for another vote. But I, I, yeah, Senator Heitkamp's vote was disappointing, but it was is what I think I probably have told you before. I always believed that Chuck Schumer would let her be the 51st vote, and he'd let her be the 49th vote, but he'd never let her be the deciding vote to pass the CRA and repeal the rule. That's exactly what happened. She came down to, you know, her hands were sort of tied because her leadership wasn't going to uh, let her be the deciding vote. I'm looking at a a press release from the North Dakota Petroleum Council, and obviously they're the group that represents the the oil industry in North Dakota. They, They said, you know, expressing disappointment in Senator Heitkamp's vote and then pointing out that just yesterday she was praising the EPA for signaling that that they're going to approve a carbon capture and sequestration program and she was sort of praising the EPA uh, recognizing the primacy of the state and these regulations and there's and basically I, I guess the Petroleum Council you know, for, for me to not put words in their mouths but I guess summarize their point is where, where were you on this one then Senator I mean what what constituency constituency is she serving by doing this and by the way i'd love to have senator heitkamp on the show to explain it sometime but her staff doesn't return my emails or anything so i can't get her on the show so i don't know uh, congressman who is she representing with this vote well like i said you know it's one thing to be the 51st 52nd 53rd or even 59th vote on a 60 vote threshold it's another thing to be the, the you know on the right side for your constituents and when you're the 49th or 48th or second vote but when you have to be the 50th vote, that's when you have to choose between what's good for your state and, and your country and what your leadership wants. And I suspect, I, I don't want to diminish how difficult that position is. Uh, she's got, you know, she's got a pretty rough leader there in Chuck Schumer and, uh, and of course, the environmental extremism that, that run the Democratic Party in both in North Dakota and the country, uh, no small matter. But here's what I would say to anybody that, that questions whether um, methane, whether there should even be further further uh, measures to to you know, stop flaring and, and reduce reduce venting 
methane is not a waste product. It is a commodity. And if on federal lands, capturing that methane is difficult, we don't need more regulations to do it. We need fewer regulations. The companies that capture the methane, they want to capture methane. They're in the business of capturing fossil fuels and selling them for a profit. But the same agency, the BLM, has been difficult to get permits out of and certificates and, and clearances, uh, uh, easements, so they can build that infrastructure, that the gathering lines and things that allow them to actually prevent the flaring and, by the way, make more money for the federal government in the process. So there's already the natural incentive to, uh, to reduce flaring and venting. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Last couple of uh, minutes with Congressman Kevin Kramer. Uh, what else is going on out in Washington, D.C., Kevin? Well, I think, you know, obviously the firing of Jim Comey is a big deal, but I think the other thing, um, you know, obviously last week we passed the uh, American Health Care Act. I saw yesterday, uh, yesterday I did a piece on MSNBC where they quoted an op-ed evidently by, by a former state legislator, uh, uh, Ben, ben Hansen. Hansen. Yeah, yes, where he said that, that this was going to affect 300,000 North Dakotans. And I think the MSNBC host was a little stunned when I told her there's only 700,000 total here in it. And if, if the state sought the waiver that they would need to even impact that, that part of the uh, individual market that deals with um, people in the individual market that have pre-existing conditions, you'd be talking about less than 2% of the entire population. And that's almost implausible to get to uh, through our process. And uh, I think she was a little stunned to find out that uh, that, that doesn't add up to 300,000. Um, so, uh, you know, there's a, the scare tactics are out. That the, uh, the It hasn't bothered me much. I went to Minot, as you know, yesterday. I missed you in Minot, where I held a town hall, I guess it was a, a couple of days ago, and holding a couple more here in, in Mandan and Bismarck tomorrow. And uh, anxious to hear from hear from citizens that uh, either agree or disagree. Uh, most of the people, I think, in the room in Minot disagreed. They either thought it was too generous and or they thought it, uh, or they supported a, uh, a government-run single-payer health care system. And, you know, uh, I had, I had, uh, I, I had insurance commissioner Godfrey on the show yesterday, and oh, you know, with the, the the point that he made was, you know, obviously this bill is is probably not going to be the final policy that emerges from right. Congress on this. Any indication yet what the Senate's going to want to see changed? You know, there are a couple actually. I've talked to a couple of senators, and we we, and we got about fifteen seconds here. Sure, I'm sorry. Good, good ideas. One, I think we could lower the threshold from seventy-five thousand dollars salary or income down to fifty thousand before they receiving the tax credits. I think conservatives would like that, and you could put more of it toward the lower income levels. And I think another one would be to incent states to find savings. You know, we give them a lot of flexibility with the Medicaid program in our bill. But if they, if they find savings, if they innovate and do creative things that help cover people, but also we got, do it less money, let them, save, yeah. let them keep some of that money. Yeah, no, I agree. Something to keep, uh, keep an eye on. Congressman, thanks for your time. EPA head Scott Pruitt coming up next on The Rob Report on 970 WDAY. Don't go away. The actors here have not got a clue. Welcome back. Rob Report here on 970 WDAY. If you've got calls or comments, 701-293-9000, is your toll-free number. Tweet me at Rob Port or send me an email, talk at WDAY.com. Joining me now is the administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency, Mr. Scott Pruitt. Uh, Mr. Pruitt, thank you for your time today. Rob, good, uh, good to be with you. Good to be with you. You know, we had um, in, in in years past. I have I have joked to people outside of North Dakota that our pastime here in the state 
is suing the EPA because we've done a lot of it over the years. And I, I've noticed recently that, that, that you are striking a much different tone. You sent a governor uh, a letter to our governor, Doug Burgum, uh, in which you said, I quote, the days of coercive federalism are over. Uh, and then just recently you indicated that, that your agency would be approving uh, or I, I guess indicated that uh, you intend to approve uh, a program for carbon capture and sequestration, which our state feels is very important for both the coal and oil industry, uh, coal and oil industries here, uh, and had been sort of languishing under the Obama administration for four years. Expand on this from us. I mean, are you, are you, is this something you're seeking? Is is a better relationship with the states? Would you say that's a priority of yours? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I mean, if you go back to the inception of the agency, uh, Rob, and the legislation that was passed, the Clean Water Act, Clean Air Act, those uh, very key environmental statutes that we passed through Congress, you know, the, the, the Congress has been very sp- intentional about making sure that states had a role, you know, that, that uh, the states have a voice, but beyond a voice, actually responsibility and leadership that they can show at improving our water quality and air quality across the country. In the past administration, to your point, simply disregarded that. They used the authority of Washington, D.C. They used the power of Washington, D.C. to coerce, to, to walk over the states. In fact, you know, they looked at states as mere vessels of federal will. And, and that's not the proper approach, either in achieving good outcomes, and it's definitely not the right approach as it relates to the statute and the Constitution. And so we've restored a focus here uh, on cooperative federalism, uh, partnership, uh, working together. And, you know, North Dakota, with respect to this uh, carbon sequestration issue that you that you cite, uh, Rob, uh, only state in the country that has applied for that type of authority, and uh, and we granted it uh, to to recognize that that the states have expertise, they have commitment, they have resources, they have a desire to come in and make sure uh, that we do things efficiently, protecting uh, air and water quality. But here, uh, exercising the program. Uh, in conjunction with uh, with this agency. So very, very right thing to do, and uh, I'm glad that we were able to get this done. Governor Bergen's done a great job uh, and appreciate his leadership and partnership. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. You know, we had another vote yesterday. We got some pretty good news on the, the carbon sequestration thing. Today the Senate voting, uh, and I realize that this is a BLM rule, but regarding uh, methane emissions, and it, I mean, it's it's pretty complicated stuff. As the as the EPA, as the head of the EPA, I mean, my understanding is that that sort of air quality regulation typically falls under your purview, and not the BLM. Can you give us any insight on this? That's correct. I mean, the distinction here is it's public land, uh, and there is a, a corollary rule um, that, that the one that you're referencing involves BLM and public lands. But there's a corollary rule that we're in the process of withdrawing or will withdraw here that involves private land. And so uh, both are very important. And, and I think what, Rob, we need to recognize again is that, that, that you know, the EPA uh, has a very important role to play as it relates to air quality and water quality that, that traverse or you know, transboundary across state line. But there's a very important role for states to play. And, and the way that this has worked historically is that the states and the EPA work together. They partner together to, to ensure good outcomes. And the past administration turned that on its head. I'll give you one statistic. Under the Clean Air Act, with respect to President Bush 1, President Clinton, and President Bush 2, those three presidential administrations issued five federal implementation plans under the Clean Air Act, five total. The past administration issued 56. 
And, and, and when I say coercive federalism, that's exactly what I'm referring to. Because when you do that 56 times compared to five over the three previous administrations, what you're saying is we're going to run over, we're going to coerce, we're going to intimidate, we're going to force the states to do things that otherwise you know, they're supposed to be doing, and we're going to do it in their place. And that's just simply a wrong way of doing business. And what happened as a result, Rob, is litigation. You mentioned North Dakota. Uh, as Attorney General of Oklahoma, I joined with Wayne Stingham and North Dakota at, at suing the EPA for its overreach. In fact, I've been you know, criticized by some of my opponents as saying you've put somebody in charge of the EPA who sued the EPA 13, 14, 15 times. Uh, my response to that is they deserved it. And, and they deserved it because they exceeded their statutory authority, they exceeded their constitutional authority, and when they got outside of their lane, they, they got sued and they got stopped. And so they didn't even achieve good environmental outcomes. All they did was incur litigation uh, costs in the process. So it's a much better process to work with the states, to partner with the states, obviously follow the statute as passed by Congress. And look, this, this issue on carbon sequestration – you know, North Dakota is going to be the primary regulator of that. We've, we've proposed the rule. It's not been finalized yet, but that process has begun, and it's taken four years, as you indicated, uh, since that request was first made for this agency to act. And, and so we acted decisively with the governor and North Dakota, and it's absolutely the right thing to do. What about your critic? I'm playing devil's advocate here because I'm with you. I, I think the EPA has got a giant role to play. Um, you know, it, the environment doesn't stop at any given state's borders, and I get that. I want to pump oil and I want to mine for coal, but I don't want to do that stuff in a way that hurts the environment of North Dakota or any other state. I think that's where most reasonable people are. But what about the people who say that, that your approach sort of pushing some of this authority back to the state or, or putting the, the state back in the driver's seat, I guess, so to say, on some of these regulations uh, is, is going to make it harder to protect the environment? What's your message to them? Well, look, I mean, look at the past administration's environmental record and, and ask yourself, what did they achieve? Uh, with, with respect to water, you had Flint and, and Gold King in Colorado. With respect to Superfund sites, you have 1,322 approximately Superfund sites across the country, which is more than when President Obama came in. Air attainment, still at 40% non-attainment in this country with respect to ozone, roughly 130 to 140 million people living in non-attainment. What's so great about that record? On carbon, uh, they tried twice to regulate CO2 and struck out twice. Supreme Court told them in UARG, the UARG decision that they overreached, and they told them in the Clean Power Plan that they overreached. So I, I don't quite understand the environmental left when they say that somehow what the past administration you know, was, that was done was so great. We're going to focus on air attainment. You know, we're going to take existing you know, uh, regulations and work on compliance and assistance with the states. We're going to come into Superfund sites and reimagine the architecture to actually get some of those sites off the list. You know, with respect to water infrastructure, the president's talked about investing in water infrastructure uh, through the infrastructure package that's being discussed this year. So, you know, I really think that we need to focus on metrics and objectives and then look at our record compared to the Obama record at the end of four years. And I, I, think, we're going to, I think we're going to do really well. You know, I, I think you make a really good point. When I have looked at a lot of the the regulatory initiatives coming out of the Obama administration over the eight years that, that they were in office, what I saw a lot of times seemed like a priority that was aimed more at creating headaches for an indus for industries, I, I guess I should say, that, that they don't like than it did protecting the environment. I mean, to me, it's, it's, right. they, they weren't asking the question and saying, okay, well, how, how can we develop coal responsibly and, and, right. and keep improving? How can we develop oil responsibly and keep improving the, the safety records there? It was what sort of you know landmines can we put in place to create headaches for these industries so that we move on to other things? It was all about power, Rob. Right. I mean, think about the Waters United States rule. You know, land use decisions 
are the province of the states and local towns and cities and private property owners across the country. What did the EPA do with the Waters United States rule, WOTUS, in 2015? They took that over. You know, that was all about power. They wanted, to be, they wanted to make land use decisions in the place of private property owners and the states. And so w- what you're saying is spot on. I mean, and using regulatory power to pick winners and losers, uh, that's what the past administration did. What our aim should be is fuel diversity. Our aim should be that as we generate electricity, as an example, that we want utility companies and consumers making decisions on what provides the most stability with the power grid and the most cost-effectiveness. So coal and natural gas and oil and hydro and renewables and nuclear, all those should be part of our mix. The EPA shouldn't come in and say we favor some of those and we disfavor others. And that's exactly what took place in the past administration. And it's not what regulators should do. I mean, we exist to make rules that provide fairness and equity to all those in the marketplace and not to pick winners and losers. I mean, I've made this comment many times, Rob, regulations ought to make things regular. It, it ought to provide you know, uh, a, a notice to those in the industry and the citizens, here's what's expected of you, and then give time to allocate resources to comply and make sure that as those rules are adopted, you actually hear from the voice of those, those individuals that are impacted. So th- th- this is really getting back to the basics, you know, getting back to the fundamentals at our agency, you know, focusing on core mission of air quality and water quality and land remediation under the Superfund program and making sure that we – have objectives and metrics that we can celebrate progress as opposed to simply bumper stickers. I will tell you this, the past administration, uh, there was quite a bit of talk, but very little action. You know, we're trying to do the inverse of that. We're trying to, you know, quit talking about things and actually go out and execute and, and, and do things and make sure that we improve the environment uh, across the country and also do this, know that we can be pro-growth, pro-jobs, and pro-environment. We don't have to choose between the two because here's what, here's what people don't, uh, don't know. Since 1980, We've seen tremendous growth in our gross domestic product as a country, but we've also seen a 65% reduction in those air pollutants that we regulate uh, under the Clean Air Act. That's, that's the American way. The American way is to produce and also to manage. Uh, the past administration just simply tried to hoard. They said keep two-thirds of fossil fuels in the ground. Uh, that's not how we do business as a country. Last question for you. Obviously, the EPA, a hugely consequential agency for a state like North Dakota, where our primary industries are energy and agriculture. What can you? What what message can you send to the people who work in that, those industries in our state about your leadership going forward? That we're going to strike this pro-growth, pro-environment uh, balance. Uh, that we're going to make sure their voices are heard in the rulemaking process that we're going to respect rule of law, actually stay within the framework that Congress has passed, that we're going to restore, you know, partnership through cooperative federalism with the states, and that we're going to do rulemaking, you know, the, the way you're supposed to do it. You propose a rule, take comment, and finalize it, and not allow people to sue us and then cut deals before court uh, through sue-and-settle regulatory, uh, regulatory uh, litigation. So, so that's what the past administration did. Uh, we're going to do it the right way, and we're going to focus on good outcomes and, and strike this balance between growth, jobs, and the environment. Mr. Pruitt, thanks for your time today. Thank you. That's Administrator Scott Pruitt of the Environmental Protection Agency. More here on the Rob Report coming up. We'll wrap up the show right after this. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. If you have any comments or questions, we'll be right back. Don't go away.
Welcome back. Rob Report here on 970 WDAY. 701-293-9000. 888-970-9329. Email talk at we had a busy day. It was a really busy day today. I, didn't, I barely even got to say hi to you after coming back from vacation. You had me hopping right away. Uh, well, there's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, we, get, barely, <laughs> we barely touched on the whole Comey thing. Yeah. Well, we, we did a little bit, a with, little bit uh, with Congressman Kramer, yes. Yeah, a little bit with Kramer. And I, I mean, listen, here's here's the thing about it. The, the people out there who are saying this was, some people, there's, oh, it's a coup, which doesn't even make, the people who are calling this a coup, I don't think know what the word coup means. A coup I would have is to where, agree with you. <laughs> a coup is where you take over, Trump wasn't trying to take over his own, he's already the head of state. So it's not a coup. Right. He's already the head of state and he could fire the FBI director if he wants to. Now, that's not saying you have to agree with him firing Comey, but it's not a coup. You should understand what that word means before you use it. And the people say this is a constitutional crisis, I think, are a little bit a little bit overwrought, too. I mean, listen, it's hard when the Democrats were out calling for Comey's head not all that long ago. And now all of a sudden the guy's a martyr to Trump's politics. You know, I, I don't know. Trump could have handled it better, but come on. Comey had to go. And if you're worried about the uh, the Russia investigation, then fine. Let's keep our eyeballs peeled on that. But, you know, canning Comey, I, I think that had to come. Uh, let's see. we got a caller. Tom, go ahead. Yeah. You know, it just happened so yesterday that uh, Trump decided to get a lawyer to help him deal with these uh, Russian claims and fires Comey at the same time. The reason why he fired Comey if you believe that reason, it's just so ridiculous. You've got to say he's either inept or crazy uh, or just uh, the worst liar in the world. You know, because the, the problem is, I mean, there's so many layers to this, and it's hard to peel through them because on one hand, you know, you, no, you, read, you, you read the, uh, the, the assistant attorney general's reasoning for, for getting rid of Comey, and they're talking about stuff that happened with Hillary Clinton last year. Well, if that's the case then why not fire him on Inauguration Day? And that was something I asked uh, Congressman Kramer, and Kramer agreed. Comey should have been fired on, on Inauguration Day. Why wait till now? And so you've got that, but then on the flip side, you got the fact that he should have been fired. And also, they're, they're now saying that, that this was not something that Trump came up with on his own, that this was the assistant attorney general making this recommendation to President Trump. And by the way, that is, I mean, essentially the assistant attorney general, the way the hierarchy of the executive branch is structured, oh, he was that, supposed, is, that is who James Comey he was, he was reports to. to. That's his supervisor. He was supposed to recluse himself from that and from the Russian deal here. He was supposed to himself from Hillary Clinton and that. He said he's recluse himself from both. He recluse himself from neither who's, one. Who's supposed to recuse himself? Sessions. Attorney General. Well, the, well, the, well the, it was the Assistant Attorney General who did it. I didn't say it was Sessions. It was the Assistant Attorney General who just got hired. And and what I understood is that my understanding is that the reason why there was a delay, or part of the reason why there was a delay, and this is the explanation, I guess, believe it or not, is that Sessions did recuse himself, and they were waiting for this Assistant Attorney General to get on the job and then make a decision about Comey. It's, and 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 the the Assistant AG made the decision, made the recommendation to Trump, and Trump acted. Well, but Trump already said, you know what he said about Hillary? Oh, she's she's uh, she's a cheat. She's a crooked. And yeah. uh, then she says, oh, Comey did such a poor job. She she gave poor Hillary a raw deal. Come by. That's, that's a fair point. Trump that's a fair nuts. point. He's crazy. Yeah, Trump can't, Get him out of Trump, office. He's insane. 
Trump can't have it both ways on that. I don't know that he's insane, though, Tom. I think he might be. If he's crazy eating the teal, I think he might be crazy like a fox. I don't know. I think he's making some bad choices in in this whole thing. I mean, not only because I, you know, I don't care what the reason that Trump is going to give for firing Comey was. Nothing seems to have been so egregious that it needed to happen immediately. And all this has really done is given Trump more bad press. Why why wait, though? Because because of the bad press that he's getting. And he's getting bad press on all sides from this. But he gets he gets he's going to get bad press no matter what. Yeah, but he's got a lot of things on his plate that he wants to do right now with with the wall and this new health care bill. And I'm not so sure that that this is not part of it, though, because this is kind of what he's been doing all along. Right. Is while while everybody's busy nattering about whatever he's posting on Twitter or whatever, he's been out approving pipelines, overturning regulations. He's been doing a lot of stuff in the background while everybody else is talking about this stuff. That kind of what Makes me think he might be crazy like a fox. Anyway, Jay Thomas show coming up next. That's it for the Rob Report today. You can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Nice to have you back, Teal. Thanks. We'll see you tomorrow. Jay Thomas show coming up next. Don't go away. Baby, what I say.